What's up, guys? It's Allie. Welcome to Relatable. So today is Thursday, November 8th, which means the midterm elections were on November 6th. If you are anything like me, you stayed up anxiously waiting for the results to come in. I live in Texas, so I was holding my breath for I don't know, like four hours. Somehow I survived it when I found out uh, finally that Ted Cruz won. Guys, I was, woo, woo. I thought, I I don't know what I thought. I I thought that this was going to be the end and I was going to be extremely mad, not just because Beto O'Rourke won, but also because my prediction would have been wrong. Alas, I was right. I thought that Ted Cruz would win by a narrow margin. It was a very, very narrow margin. So for all of my fellow Texans out there, breathe a sigh of relief with me that Ted Cruz is still our senator. Now, speaking of Texas, speaking of Texas, uh, it is bluer than it probably has ever been. Now, it used to be a Democratic stronghold about 25 years ago, but it's probably bluer as in like what is blue is solidly blue. And then also what is blue is more blue than what it was 25 years ago. There's no doubt that the Democratic Party everywhere is farther left than it used to be. So Texas is in danger. We used to look to Texas as the beacon of conservatism, the beacon of republicanism, a deep red state. That's just not true. There are quite a few other states that are actually redder than Texas. And you want to know why? Austin and Houston. Austin and Houston are really the two cities. There are are other border cities, too, that are uh, very blue. But those are really two heavily populated cities that lean to the left. Part of that is because people from uh, California move here for jobs and technology, especially in Austin, and they bring their politics with them. Please don't do that. If you're from California or listening to this podcast, you're probably great. There are a lot of Californians out there that are conservative. I've been to the Bakersfield, Visalia, Fresno area. Those are some of the kindest, most conservative people that I've ever met. They too want nothing to do with San Francisco and LA. Those kind of people, they are welcome to move to Texas. We will take you. We will take your kindness. We will take your politics. But those of you who are coming from LA and San Francisco, coming to Austin and trying to California or Texas, I want nothing to do with you. And I don't appreciate it. I do blame them partly for what happened, though I can't blame them for everything because you know what's an interesting statistic is that uh, apparently a greater percentage of people who voted for uh, Beto O'Rourke were born in Texas than the percentage of people uh, born in Texas that voted for Ted Cruz. So apparently more people who voted for Ted Cruz moved to Texas. Apparently more people who were born in Texas voted for Beto O'Rourke. Interesting interesting. I I kind of just don't believe that statistic, but apparently it's true. So I can't blame it entirely on Californians, although I do think that they are somewhat to blame. But that is just one race that I was very glad to see go our way. As far as statewide elections in Texas, it went well for us in the sense that we, uh, we won all of them. Greg Abbott is still our governor. But again, that margin was a little bit narrower than what we would have liked it to be. Now, local elections is where we saw things kind of go downhill for Republicans. Some local elections went well, but for example, my house house district where I live, state house district, it 
got flipped to a Democratic seat. Now, the incumbent was a popular Republican, uh, got a lot of stuff done, very productive. And the opposition to him, the candidate that opposed him, is legitimately crazy, disavowed by her own party. I'm sure that most people have no idea who she is. And yet she won. Why? I think partly it was the Beto effect, although I don't think that can be uh, entirely be attributed to that. Uh, but I think some people just said, I'm not going to I'm not going to vote Republican. I do think that part of this blue wave or part of this resistance did trickle down to the local level, unfortunately. So I'm very sad about my district. There are a few other districts that I know Republicans are extremely sad about in Texas. So we have something to watch out for and conservatives have something to fight for. That is why conservatives, if you live in Texas, stay here. Stay here. Make sure that you keep on voting Republican. Make sure that it does not turn blue. If it turns blue, we're going to have a very difficult time winning national elections. So just keep that in mind. Now, there are other midterm things that we are going to get to. We're going to analyze some other races. And of course, the best part of analyzing any kind of thing that happens politically is also analyzing the media's reaction to it. But before I do that, I'm going to tell you about my favorite sleep company, which is Bolster Sleep. I've told you guys already how much I love their pillow that keeps its shape. Let me tell you also, my husband, when I was gone, I was out of town, I was speaking at the University of Florida. I'm just going to pat myself on the back for that, by the way, that DeSantis won. I'm sure it had everything to do with me in my speech at the university. But anyway, when I was gone for that, my husband stole my pillow. Then the next day when I got back, I went to go to sleep and I was like, oh, this doesn't feel like this doesn't feel like my pillow. My husband was already laying down, but I was like, oh, maybe it is. The next morning, you know what I realized? I realized that he had stolen my pillow and he knew I was looking for it too and he didn't give it back. That's how much we love our bolster pillow. I'm going to have to buy him one because he's so obsessed with it because it's so comfortable. It's the only pillow you need. You don't need to stack like a million pillows. Uh, it is made out of something called Tencel, which uh, it's a fabric that wicks away heat so it keeps you cool. No flipping to the cooler side of the pillow. Uh, bolster goes beyond the mattress to provide you with a quality night's sleep. And they also offer adjustable beds, sheet sets, pillows, more. All you have to do is go to bolstersleep.com. Use promo code Allie, A-L-L-I-E, to get $100 off a mattress or an adjustable bed. You will not regret it. Okay, so the rest of this absolute midterm madness that we saw on Tuesday night. So Democrats won the House. Republicans won the Senate. It was a good night for Republicans. Now, of course, Democrats think it was a good night for them, too. And it was. It was. Now, it wasn't necessarily a blue wave. They did a, a good job. They did a good job in the House. This is not unprecedented. This is not, I wouldn't say, any sort of tsunami for the left. I wouldn't say that this is a tidal wave. But they did a pretty good job in the House. They now have a majority. Nancy Pelosi is going to want to be Speaker of the House, of course. But Republicans should be proud of the gains they made in the Senate. We thought they were going to keep the narrow majority. Maybe, you know, keep it even and Mike Pence be the tiebreaker, but they actually have more of a majority than what we thought. There were some major upsets in the Senate races that actually worked in our favor. So Republicans had a really good night considering the fact that midterms 
were seen before this as, as a referendum on Donald Trump. It almost always is a referendum on the sitting party or the party in power or the sitting president. And they said that this was going to be it. They tried to weaponize every single event that has happened in order to get the vote to go in the direction of the Democrats. I mean, never have we seen a stronger so-called resistance to a party than we have over the past couple of years. They've tried every tactic possible. They tried to say that the Electoral College is unfair. They tried to say it was Russian collusion. They've tried to call him a racist. They've tried to say that he's a misogynist. They've tried to moralize this whole thing and say that anyone who still votes for Donald Trump or votes for a Republican, you're terrible people. They want to take their health care away. And then, of course, they tried the whole Kavanaugh thing. We know how that worked out. I have something to say about that in a little bit. And they have tried to use immigration to say that Republicans are stripping babies away at the border from their mothers. Of course, we know that's not true. They've tried to use the excuse of voter suppression, all of this stuff. And still, they did not have the blue wave that they said that they were going to have. Not as strong as they said that they were going to have it. I've said this is not like the Republican Revolution of 1994, the way that they thought that it was going to be. They thought they were going to sweep through the House, sweep through the Senate. They were going to sweep through the the gubernatorial races. uh, And they just didn't. They just didn't do it. There is actually something to be proud of for Republicans and for Donald Trump that we made gains in the Senate. That is really, really good. And it's actually very important. I would argue more important, maybe, maybe there's an argument either way, more important that Republicans uh, made gains in the Senate rather than in the House. Of course, we would have liked to keep both. But Republicans uh, keeping the Senate, having gains in the Senate means that we are going to continue to to appoint textualist, good constitutionalist judges. So we're still going to have Mitch McConnell pushing through Trump's agenda, stacking the judiciary with good judges instead of liberal activist judges. That's a very good thing for Donald Trump's agenda and for conservatism, for liberty, for the future of America, for the perpetuation of the Constitution. Really, I think that the Senate is good for the long game of America. The things that we are doing now, like appointing judges, they're going to have a long lasting effect on the United States, more so than what the Democrats are planning to do in the House. What the Democrats are planning to do in the House, uh, they have subpoena power. They are also going to open all kinds of other investigations into Donald Trump. Of course, we know that we have Robert Mueller's investigation still going on into Russian collusion, uh, but we're going to have the Democrats open investigations. Nancy Pelosi has already said that she wants to look into to Trump's tax returns right away. Trump says, you can't do that. My tax returns are getting audited. That does, I mean, it does seem a little bit sketchy that he hasn't shown his tax returns yet. I don't know what we're going to find, but I also think that this whole this whole thing that the Democrats are going to do as a ploy until 2020, wasting taxpayer money on all of these investigations is going to blow up in their faces, probably in the same way that it did with Kavanaugh, that they are willing to sacrifice so much of other people's time, money, energy, character, whatever it is, in order to gain political power. I'm just not sure if that's a winning strategy for them. They might try to impeach Trump. Good luck with that. Again, the better Donald Trump does, the better the economy is, the better he can present his agenda or his record at this point, the harder time Democrats are going to have trying to uh, trying to paint themselves as vigilantes for taking him down. I just don't think it's going to work very well. But, you know, 
you know, one thing that we have not been hearing about, speaking of investigations and Robert Mueller and all of that, one thing that we have not been hearing about, I would say in a couple months, probably since before Kavanaugh, maybe since June, even, we have not heard about the Russia investigation. We have not heard about Russian collusion. If you really believed, if you really believed that Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians to take down our democracy, why wouldn't you still talk about it? I mean, we heard about it nonstop over and over again for months. They said that this was this was Armageddon. This was the end of the world. He's the worst person ever. This definitely happened. He's going to jail. And then we heard nothing about it. Why? Oh, right. Because it was all political, had nothing to do with the truth, had nothing to do with justice. Now, I am someone who has said from the beginning, if Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to win the election, there should be consequences. And I would like to know about it as someone who voted for him. I'm not against the investigation altogether. Now, I think we need to wrap it up. It's been going on for a long time. A lot of taxpayer dollars have been wasted, it seems like. And I do think that Democrats are using this as a, as a ploy. I don't think that they think it happened. There's been no proof of Russian collusion so far. But of course, I would like to know. I'm not against knowing the truth. I would like to know the truth. I just think that if there was truth out there, that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians, that we would have heard about it by now. And we have it. So they're going to use this going into 2020, painting him as corrupt. The thing is, though, I think that they have used all of their cards. Like they have tried everything and it's not working, at least not as effectively as they said it was going to. Um, okay, let's, let's, I just want to play this clip. I don't even have an intro. I just want to play this clip of uh, Jim Acosta from a press conference yesterday where he was talking to the president. I'm going to play a full one minute and 20 seconds of this. They're hundreds and hundreds of you miles away. That, that's I not an invasion. Should, honestly, uh, I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. All right. And if you did it well, your ratings well, let me would be ask, much better. If I, if I may okay, ask one enough. other question, Mr. President, if I may, if I may ask Peter, one other question, are you worried? Of, that's enough. That's Mr. enough. Mr. President, I, well, that's I was going to ask one other. The other folks. That's had, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. I'm, I'm, Mr. Excuse President, me. That's enough. Mr. President, I had one other Peter, question, if go. I may ask, on, on the Russia investigation. Are you concerned that... That you may have. I'm not concerned about anything with you the Russian investigation because it's a hoax. Are you? That's enough. Put down the mic, Mr. President. Are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation, Mr. President? I tell you what, CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. Go ahead. I, I think that's unfair. You're a very rude person. The way you treat Sarah Huckabee is horrible. And the way you treat other people are horrible. You shouldn't treat people that way. Go ahead. In, in, go in ahead, Jim, Peter. Go in, ahead. In Jim's defense, I've traveled with him and watched him. He's a diligent reporter who busts. Well, I'm not a big fan of yours either. So I you understand. Know, to be honest. So let, me, so let me ask you a question, if I can. You repeatedly you said are, you are the best, Mr. President. You repeatedly over the course okay, of just sit down, please. Well, when you when you report fake news, no. When you report fake news, which CNN does a lot, you are the enemy of the people. Go ahead. Okay. So <laughs> politics are really unpredictable. Like I said, on Tuesday, we had no idea what was going to happen in the midterms. We, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen next week, much less next year, 2020. We have no idea. 
But there's one thing that you could always be sure of. There's one thing that you could hang your hat on and go to bed at night knowing will be true and the same tomorrow. And that is Jim Acosta's obsession with himself. That will always be steadfast. That will be the anchor for our ship in the undulation of political madness that is happening on a daily basis in the United States of America. Jim Acosta's self-obsession and total lack of self-awareness. You know, I <laughs> I was watching this after the fact. I didn't see it live. And I had my head inside my sweatshirt because I could not watch this. I think that my face was red. I had secondhand embarrassment at how awkward and how weird this whole exchange was. I personally, I don't love Donald Trump's like confrontational style. I think that he's pretty petty. But in this case, I don't think that he did a bad job. I mean, he said what is true. He is a horrible person. Like Jim Acosta is not a good person. He is so self-aggrandizing. He only cares about himself. I think Ben Shapiro had a good tweet. I think it was like, find you a woman who loves you as much as Jim Acosta loves Jim Acosta. True, true. That, that's a great, that's a great standard for finding your future mate. Find someone who has as much affection for you as Jim Acosta has for himself. I think that's a really good standard. So I think what we're going to see now that the midterms are over is we're going to go back to the narrative of Russian collusion again. If you thought that Russian collusion really existed, you would have been talking about it this whole time. But you didn't talk about it because it didn't work for you politically. It wasn't the thing that people cared about. If you look at the exit polls, for example, the things that the reasons why people voted the way they did. Of course, a lot of people said healthcare, which I think is really interesting. Some people said immigration. There was the economy. Not a single person said Russian collusion. I didn't see a single person that said, you know, it's Russian collusion. That is why I voted to make sure that we get to the bottom of this. Maybe that would have been true a year ago. But that just hasn't been the drum that the media has been playing. And I think that is a really good indication of just how effective the liberal media is at brainwashing people, at pushing a certain narrative and forming what people care about. It's it's really crazy. And the funny thing is, too, we have heard Democrats after as they have gotten off this uh, whole Russian collusion thing, they've gotten back on healthcare. Now, we didn't hear about healthcare for a long time, but I think they realized, oh, right, our voters care about this. Oh, yeah, 24 million people are going to die. I forgot about that. 24 million people are going to die. My bad. That just slipped my memory. But again, they're going to hyperbolize everything. They're going to make this a life or death situation. By the time we get to 2020, everything will be a life and death situation. Nothing will actually just be political. Nothing will actually just be about politics. Everything will be about you're going to die. That's what we saw even with Kavanaugh. I mean, the freaking emails that I saw from the Women's March saying that the poor are going to get poor. Immigrants are going to be I don't know what they said, kicked out. Women are going to be forced into back alley abortions with hangers. All of this absolutely ridiculous stuff. Like everything is life and death. And you know why they do that. They do that. So if you don't vote for them, then you want people to die. You're a bad, immoral person. That's what I call the politics of guilt. Now, the politics of guilt have been around for a long time. They're not exclusive to the left, but the left really loves to do this. And <laughs> The, the politics of guilt 
really mixed with identity politics is what we are seeing today, especially what we are seeing just post midterms, not just in 2018. So apparently white women in a few races, maybe in most races, but I'm only seeing this for three. People are making a big deal about this. White women vote Republican. It's true. White women do vote Republican. Black women and black people in general typically vote Democrat. Okay. So people are pointing out the fact that 76% of white women voted for Kemp, governor of Georgia. Um, 59% of white women voted for Cruz, senator in Texas. 51% of white women voted for DeSantis. As opposed to black women, a black woman, 95% voted for, or 97% voted for Abrams, 95% for O'Rourke, 82% for Gillum. That's interesting, only 82%. Uh, People are pointing that out. Refinery29, I don't even know if that's like a legitimate publication or if they're just a blog, but they had an article with the title, Another Election, Another Failure by White Women. Then they go on to say that white women are voting against our own interests because we vote Republican. Mona Elta-Hawi, don't know who she is. She's apparently a liberal activist. On Twitter, her tweet got tons and tons of likes and retweets. She says, she points out all of the statistics that I already read about white women voting for Republicans in these races. And she says, white women, foot soldiers of the patriarchy. Okay, so really the sentiment is, which the sentiment was also this after Trump, I think it was like 51 or 52% of white women voted for Donald Trump. And so white women have been blamed for the election of Donald Trump. And now white people are white women are being blamed for uh, for voting for Republicans or the fact that Republicans took the Senate and took some of these gubernatorial races. I saw a tweet from Women's March saying, white women, we need to do better. We need to learn. And we're here to learn alongside you. We're here to help. Like, shut up. Shut up. Like, you realize, right? Like, this is why we don't vote for you guys. This is part of it. Oh, and the fact that we don't love the idea of children getting sucked out of the womb with a vacuum limb by limb. Like, oh, yeah, that's just a little something. But also, what the left does not realize, and especially when it comes to women, we don't like being talked down to. Like, don't tell me that I am a self-hating, misogynist lover of the patriarchy just because I vote Republican. Democrats cannot wrap their minds around the fact that women, minorities, all these people that should, I say that in scare quotes, should vote Democrat, vote Republican because we have different values, because we have different priorities, that we're not looking for the government to save us. They always talk about, voting against our interests or or voting for people that don't do something for us or don't protect us. I don't I, I don't want any kind of protections for myself that a man doesn't get. Why? Oh, yeah, because I don't think that abortion should be a right. I don't think that you should be able to kill your child. That's all they're talking about when they say that I vote against my interest. That's not in my interest. I don't believe that's in any woman's interest to kill another human being. I am voting for a freer, lesser taxed, uh, more uh, uh, freer and a lesser tax and a safer and a more secure and a more life centered community. That's why I vote Republican. I believe in secure borders. I believe in a better economy. I believe in the free market. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe in the First Amendment. 
I don't see why it's so hard for Democrats to understand that I might have those values just because I have them, because I've come to those conclusions through reason and through critical thinking and through uh, uh, through careful study. And even if I have it, that's my value system uh, based on my faith, based on who cares why. Maybe it was how I was raised. It doesn't matter. But just because I'm not a Democrat doesn't mean that I'm a voting against my interests or b that I've done something wrong. I'm sorry. I don't feel guilty for being a white woman that votes conservative. And you know what? You shouldn't either. Like you're going to hear all of this BS over the next two years that if you're a white woman who votes conservative, it's because you're selfish. It's because you don't care about minorities. You don't care about other women. You don't care about, you know, the refugees. You don't care about the marginalized and the weak. Do not freaking buy it. It's all a lie. It's all fake. You vote on your interests and your values. Don't vote on what other people tell you your value should be. And by the way, the entire Democratic platform is shrouded in all of these euphemisms that make it sound like they're compassionate. They're not. They're about government control. They're about controlling your life. That's exactly why they're bullying us. That's exactly why they're making us feel guilty for saying, wow, patronizing us, which, by the way, patronizing, you know, like the patriarchy. It's so funny that they don't understand that they are more patronizing than the actual patriarchy. Anyway, patronizing us saying that, oh, they need to help us along and help us think differently because clearly as conservatives, we just we just don't know. Like <laughs> that is part of the reason why you guys don't get voted for by us. I'm sorry. Allow us to think for ourselves like the more that they tell us that the only reason we vote Republican is because of our husbands. I think the more likely we are to keep voting Republican. Like, honestly, I I mean, I don't cuss on this podcast, but F you really like go. I again, I don't want to say anything crass. Go away. I'll say that. Go away. Go away. I don't care what you have to say about me being immoral for voting a Republican. I don't care what you say about me being a foot soldier of the patriarchy. Good. I love it. I'll be on the front lines for the patriarchy if that means Republicans are going to win. I love the patriarchy. I don't care. I don't care about your bullying. It makes me more likely to never vote Democrat in my whole entire life. That and the fact that, oh, yeah, I actually have value, something that Democrats uh, are completely unfamiliar with. So... That's one ridiculous narrative that we are seeing from the left. And I beg of you to resist it. Do not let the politics of guilt get you down. If you ever if you ever feeling guilty or weighted down like you got to vote Democrat or you got to be more liberal to be accepted, you come to this podcast and I will make you feel better about your conservative ways. Okay, okay. The next thing that stupid, ridiculous Democrats. They're not all stupid and ridiculous, but just some of them, especially the ones I'm about to talk about, are talking about. They are talking about how the Senate, you know, the thing that Republicans won, the Senate, while Democrats won the popular vote. No, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. They really said that. They really said Democrats won the popular vote. Now, you might be thinking, okay, you're thinking back to civics class. You're thinking about back to, uh, you know, U.S. Gov that you took in high school. And you're like, I I don't remember. I don't remember there being a popular vote in the Senate. How does that even make sense? Senators are voted on by their states, not not the entire country. And you are freaking right. You are smarter, apparently, the Democratic strategist and this random guy named Mark uh, Kopalovich, 
a professor of political science at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So he tweeted out Senate popular vote Democrats 40,558,262 in parentheses 55.4% Republicans 31,490,026 votes in parentheses 43% and then space space Senate seats Republicans plus three. Obviously, he's trying to make the point that this doesn't make any sense. He's trying to say that uh, this is an unfair process for Republicans to have so fewer votes, almost 10 million votes less uh, than Democrats and still take three seats in the Senate. And then you have, you know, the political sage of our time, George Takai, saying uh, the same thing. Him basically saying that this is completely unfair. You guys are. Are barbarians you apparently don't know you don't know you don't know anything about the country's founding you don't know why our institutions exist of course the same people who say that we should abolish the electoral college now if hillary clinton had won the electoral vote they would have never said that but of course now they're saying that the senate how it's set up is wrong that it shouldn't be two senators from every state but it should be in proportion to how many people are in your state Yeah, you dimwit. That's what the House of Representatives is for. The Senate was set up exactly, exactly how it is deliberately so that every state, its own entity, a state is its own entity. And we have decided to unite together these separate states, United States of America. I don't know if you guys realize that, but we're our own separate entity. We have a House of Representatives where we have representatives from each state represent us based on our population. And then we have the Senate and each State gets two senators so that they are evenly represented. Duh. That way, that way, the larger states don't get a say in everything or else it would be the tyranny of the majority. So you'd have the most populous states making all of the decisions, all of the legislative decisions. The smaller states wouldn't. Of course, that is exactly what leftists want because the only opinions that they really care about are the opinions in California and New York. They don't want the person in Wyoming to have the same say as them. But you've got to be an absolute idiot to not know that that's exactly how the Senate was supposed to be set up. That even if you won the, quote, popular vote, which, again, is not something in the Senate because it's not voted on nationally. It's voted on state by state. But even if you won the popular vote, you still have even representation because those smaller states have to be represented. Their interests have to be represented because we're not a country made up of just California and New York. Now, I would love it if those countries just went off on their own. I believe that Texas could pick up any kind of economic economic slack that existed after uh, we got rid got rid of New York and California. I'd be totally fine with that. But until that happens, they're going to have to function with the reality that there is a Midwest, that there are states that are not as populous as them that have different values than them. But this is what the left does. They want to abolish everything that they don't like or everything that doesn't play into their favor. Of course, if they had won the Senate, they would have said, this is the perfect setup. This is great. This is just great. Thank you so much for the Senate. If they had won the electoral vote. Love. I love. I love the Electoral College. It's great. You know, they also argued for abolishing the Supreme Court. If we had liberal judges, they would say Supreme Court. We love the Supreme Court. And in fact, we want all activists on the Supreme Court. But no, as it is, because they're losing all of these things, they want to abolish them. Why? Because leftists are children. It's exactly what kids do when they lose a game. 
Like if you've ever played a game with a toddler, they have a really hard time losing. You know, you beat them. You don't let them win because, you know, you don't want to create pansies. So you beat them in a game of basketball or video game or whatever. And then they say, instead of saying, you know, good game, they say, you cheated or I hate this game. Yeah. Okay. They're three. And so you just kind of laugh it off. But these people are like 60. But that's exactly what Democrats do. I didn't. It didn't go my way. So I hate this game. We're never playing this game. And actually, I want to set the rules for the game because you guys cheated because you didn't follow my imaginary rules. That's what happened. Those are the people that we're up against and now are in control of the house. So that's just a little bit a little bit troubling. But that's exactly what they do. So when you see those arguments of uh, abolishing all of these things that they don't like, just remember, just just think like, are those the people that you want running the country? Guys, uh, I am worried. I'm just going to tell you, I'm worried about 2020. It, Democrats will, whoever they elect is going to be extremely progressive, is going to, they don't realize that Donald Trump was a reaction of Obama and all of his extremism is just the opposite of Obama. They think that he's just bad. So they're going to say, oh, we're doing this as a reaction to Trump because Trump was the first bad president. I'm like, okay, I guess we could just go on forever and ever like this. Someone's got to stop it at some point. I think that Donald Trump has to win again or else, gosh, the four years after that are going to be crazy. Unless someone beats him in the primaries, that's probably not going to happen, though. Uh, Man, 2020 is going to be ugly. We are officially in the 2020 cycle, by the way. It's going to be, we're going to be talking 2020 nonstop, which is absolutely insane that we're already here. Like, I remember so clearly waking up in the middle of the night in 2016 and hearing that Donald Trump became president. And I was like, there's no freaking way. Little did I know of the craziness that would happen over the next two years, but it's gone by so fast. The next two years are going to go by so fast. And you and I have a really big task ahead of us if we're going to keep this Republican. Um... Okay, I think that's all I have to say. I think that's all I have to say about the midterms. I did want to do one segment that I haven't done in so long that I know you guys like and I just haven't done it is things I don't get. So most of the things that I don't get happen when I'm in an airport because that's when I see the weirdest people. Last week, I saw someone chilling in the airport, like leaning back in a seat, like had her legs propped up on something, didn't have shoes on, completely barefoot just reading her book. Now, that's not my thing I don't get because I've done a thing I don't get on people not wearing proper footwear in the airport, which is one of my peeves. I don't like it when your like foot is exposed in the airport. It just grosses me out. And to know that you had to walk through the metal detector probably and take your shoes off unless you brought socks, which is fine, or you put on those little booties, it just freaks me out. Why would you do that? Now, I've had to do that before, but I regretted it. And I don't want that for you either. So wear proper footwear. I think it, your foot has to be totally enclosed when you're going to the airport. That's, But again, that's just my soapbox. This is not the thing I don't get. The thing I just don't get today is speaking on the phone in public, on speakerphone. Or really, well, I really don't like it when people speak on the phone, like in tight spaces loudly, like 
it's you have to speak on the phone i speak on the phone in public sometimes you have to do it but when i was writing this i was thinking really speakerphone there was someone in the row ahead of me who was making a doctor's appointment uh this was a while ago on the airplane before we were taking off and she had it on speakerphone and she was making why would you do that is something wrong with your ear you don't like your phone touching your ear are you afraid of the radiation or whatever it is. Sorry, lady. You just got to get used to that. That's the price you pay for having a phone. Do not speak on speaker phone in public. Another thing I don't get, and I just advise you not to do, turn your phone on silent when you're in public. I had two people. I had two I had like connecting flights when I was going to Gainesville. On both flights, I had someone next to me who didn't know the meaning of that, who had the clicky clacky clicky clacky when they were when they were texting someone, their emails, their texts coming in, the ding, the bling. Do not do that. Do not do that. Turn your phone on silent in public. No one wants to hear that. It literally grates millennials ears because we have our phones on silent all the time. And when we lose our phones, we can't refine them because our phones are always on silent or dead. At least mine is. Uh, so thing I just don't get people that are loud on their phones in public or people who watch videos on their phones in public loud no no ma'am no ma'am it's really annoying so just no proper phone etiquette i might have to do a whole segment on airport etiquette because apparently just some people don't know there's some gross people at the airport and i'm already mad when i'm at the airport so i would i might need to do a whole segment on that okay well this is a fun episode guys uh love you see you next week let's see am i going somewhere next week no i'm I'm, i think i'm in town next week actually i'll be in florida next week uh at the end of the week so if you're in vero beach stop on by okay see you later bye (laughs) 